Man, I get it right. My head up to my back. You know I'm fucking tired. But man, I got this way. Man, I got this way. My head up to my back. You know I'm fucking tired. But man, I got this way. And welcome to the On the Bench podcast. I'm Josh Newberg, and with me, I have Brendan Sinone and Chris Nee. Just imagine us sitting on the bench right now, arms across each other's shoulders, swag surfing right to left, back and forth. That's what we're doing. I don't know what They call me Swag Surf Sinone. I don't know what happened yesterday. I was off Twitter for a majority of the day, and I I log in at like 4 p.m., and apparently, Brendan, you went viral for all the wrong reasons. I, I did. I got the, the big, the big one was the Bomani Jones retweet saying I'm not even old, which is, I mean, if you know me, you know, like I'm 90 years old at heart. So like, that's not a fair, uh, that's not a fair summary of my persona. Chris, what are you laughing at? It's not funny. (laughs) I just, I accept you for who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I didn't know that swag surfing, like I never put it together. I think this is the biggest indictment on, on me and all this is, I never knew that it was the same song that was being played before every single home game for Florida State when they were swag surfing. Like I knew there was a dance, but I didn't know that the song was associated with it. And I kind of knew the melody, but I didn't know the song was called swag surfing. And apparently it was a really big deal in 2009. And I feel like my pop culture references really stopped like after like 2005. So like right when I'm ending high school, uh, like most of my gifts are still The Office or The Simpsons or uh, Futurama. So yeah, I'm I'm a nerd. Whatever. We're we're here. We're here and the guys let us uh and FLY let us use their uh their song to intro the podcast today and we appreciate that. <laughs> that they had fun. they had they had fun with it. Yeah, what did you did. think? What did you think when you saw the world on fire around me, Josh? I mean, my girlfriend actually mentioned it to me when she got off work. So maybe I didn't <laughs> see it till like even later, but she's like, "Did you read the comments under this? It's hilarious." And I was like, "I saw the the tweet that like you tagged me in, but I didn't really know what was going on." So I finally clicked on it and I was cracking up and I was in the other room. She's like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, I'm finally reading this Brendan thread. It's hilarious. So (laughs) it was great. Um, But it was good fun. Glad we could get the song on the podcast. And I think we're going to actually talk to them, right? Um, I was hoping to keep that a, you know, a secret and especially if we don't deliver on it, I didn't want to get it going, but yeah, sure. Maybe they, <laughs> right. you know, I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. We asked and they haven't said no yet, which, which to me means yes, but yeah. well, we'll, we'll talk to them. All right. So let's get to it. Uh, this morning, as we record on Thursday, about 11, 15 AM, we've already heard from Willie Taggart. going to play some audio for you guys right now. Yeah, uh, we're going day to day. Uh, each day he's, he's getting better. He, he did more yesterday uh, uh, with our football team, and so he's, he's getting better. Does, does the bye week after this kind of affect at all maybe using James Saturday, or if he's able, is he going to play? Uh, James help, he's going to play. Not thinking about bye week, we play in North Carolina State, baby. James is healthy, will he start? James is healthy, James will start. Oh, you have to ask, is James going to start? Is James healthy, James will start. <laughs> Did he go, do you think he's gone through enough practice that you guys feel good about his ability to, to be ready to execute the game plan? James is healthy, James will start. So, 
that means he would have to go through some practice and do some things. So, um, James healthy, he will start. All right. So, Taggart says if James is healthy, James will play. Um, Brendan, Chris, what's your opinion on on Taggart's comments this morning? Chris, I'll let you go first, or do you want me to go first since you weren't? Since, since I wasn't you... there this morning, so I was going to let Brendan carry it. I'm just going right. to say that I play college fantasy football, and Alex Tony Burke's my starting quarterback, so I feel pretty confident that James is probably not going to play. <laughs> Did you guys like me anxiously going to Willie? All right, we have to ask, anxiously slash annoyed that no one was asking uh, the direct question whether James would start or not. It was all kind of... Is he healthy? How's he progressing? Is he going to play? If he does play, will he start? And, da, 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 and clearly Willie wasn't having it. And I, I think this is obviously gamesmanship from Willie Taggart. Like it's how he should play this. I think it's smart. Uh, you, you're not going to come out and say Alex is starting for us. That gives NC State the ability to hone in on a guy. Based on what we've seen this week, Josh, I I don't – I'm, I'm with Chris. If I had a fantasy football team, I'm I'm a nerd, but – but I'm not that big of a nerd. Uh, I I would start Alex Hornibrook too if I had him uh, because I don't think James is going to play. He was fairly limited with what we saw with him in the open practice. He was dressed out on on Tuesday, but like wasn't wasn't really running around a ton, wasn't carrying out some read option concepts. Today he walked into practice and was moving pretty slow. So now, I boil it down to this. Uh, if, if you're of the belief that Alex Hornibrook and James Blackman are about comparable running this offense, which you know statistically they are fairly close. I thought Hornibrook did a little bit better uh, this past week. But let's say let's just say for the sake of the argument they're even close. Uh, why would you then start an injured or a not 100% James Blackman, uh, especially with the bye week coming up? So that's my logic. I think we all expect it to be Hornibrook to start this week. Chris, if Blackman was truly healthy and able to, you know, complete everything he needs to complete to, to get cleared medically, would you start him against NC state? Uh, I'm at the point where I've said it previously on podcasts that I, I don't think there's some great divide between the two, as far as the ceiling and what they offer you and the winability of games with playing each guy against NC state specifically. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a huge difference. Like I think the key to NC state is being able to run the ball. Um, they're a pretty effective run defense team pass wise. They're not horrible, but they're susceptible. And I think either guy can have success, whether it's kind of a dinky and dunking underneath method of horny broker, a little bit more vertical haymaker version of Blackman. Yeah. If Blackman was healthy, would I start him? Yeah, but I think you play both of them. I think you kind of approach it with the same mindset you had going into last week's game before any injuries were part of this equation. Okay. I agree. Um, Brendan, to you, Alex Hornibrook was 15 of 20, 255 yards, two touchdowns last week in his time against Louisville. Uh, what do you think we should expect from him in his first start against NC State? Uh, the old two quarterback system, huh, Chris? Is that what we're? Is that what you're 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 thinking that we do here? I, I, yeah, I, that I, always I, goes well. I, I've never been a fan of the idea, but I think that's kind of where FSU is right now, and you ride the hot hand when you figure out which one it is. And I, I think actually, and I'm giving you a little shit there, man, but I, I do think you could probably figure out a way to uh, to do that with the way these two guys play. And they both have, you know, people think, oh, one's not as mobile as the other. And that's probably true. But they have very different strengths with with how they, they throw the ball and uh, process things. And James has more upside. But anyways, Josh, to answer your question, uh, I think we'll see, you know, not quite the crazy numbers that we saw from Alex. Uh, this past week, you know, the 15 for you know 20 that you mentioned and two touchdowns and, you know, PFF had him as one of the highest rated passers and 
ESPN QBR had him as one of the highest rated passers. Like any, any sort of metric said that he was awesome last week. And I think we saw that with the eye test, but I do think he'll be efficient. I think what we saw from him uh, against Louisville was, uh, was what you're going to get in terms of like, okay, he's going to be more of a game manager. He can move around in the pocket a little bit. I uh, could probably do some option stuff for you. Some uh, if you're comfortable with him and you're comfortable with Jordan Travis as the backup If anything were to happen. Horner broke, you know, he was, ad-libbing but he's going to get the ball to where it needs to be on time uh the throwing power is going to be limited uh we'll see if nc state's able to uh to test him and and force him to go vertical uh but i think he'll keep the offense on schedule and gives you a chance to win okay last week i asked chris um where he would rank louisville amongst the opponents fsu's face so chris this week i'm going to ask you in where does nc state rank amongst FSU's opponents. How good are they? I think they're kind of smack dab in the middle. Their offensive passing attack is underwhelming. They can't take vertical threats. I think David Hill put out a stat that they average like 7.1 per attempt. It's just not a vertical passing game. They are a capable running bunch. They got three backs to rely on. Uh, One of them's a true freshman. Actually, two of them are freshmen. And then the other one's a more veteran guy that FSU's seen before. Defensively, they're effective against the run. They're not anything special on defense. Though. Like, there's nothing you look at defensively about them and go, man, they're really good at that. So I just, I don't think they're a particularly very good team. I also don't think they've figured out their offensive identity in life after Ryan Finley. Other than they know they are pretty effective at running the ball and they have a quarterback who's capable of scrambling. But still, that being said, they haven't figured out kind of the uh, Joe to that Jack. That's their Jack. That's their main. But they haven't figured out the secondary piece of their offense that's going to be effective for them. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get to the other side, we're going to talk about a little bit of breaking news that just hit Knowles 24-7. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back on the bench. Um, Want to talk about something, uh, a little bit of news this morning. Demarcus Adams, um, according to Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports, has put his name back in the transfer portal. Now, it, once you insert your name in the NCAA transfer portal, there's 48 hours for the team to kind of talk you out of it, and you can take your name out before it actually shows up for other teams to contact you. So Sometimes that happens, Josh. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> that, that actually happened on November 18th. It was our first transfer story, um, portal story. It was November 18th, 2018, and Demarcus Adams put his name in the portal and then took it out. So we are told um, through a source this morning close to the family that he is back in the portal. So it should expect it to show within the next 48 hours. Now, DeMarcus Adams, Chris, has he played at all this season? 
No, he hasn't touched the field at all this year for FSU. I don't even think he's traveled for road games. So, Brendan, in, in your opinion, what does this do for depth? Is this a concern at all or just keep it moving? Keep it moving. Uh, Demarcus Adams offers value as a guy who can take the top off a of defense and is really fast. But to me, was someone who I thought was kind of an iffy take because that's really all he could do. Uh, and he was someone that the last staff took. And then when this new staff came in, I remember asking someone, uh, you know, is he still a take for you? And they said, yeah, we need bodies at wide receiver. To this point, though, Demarcus Adams hasn't really shown that he's he's any sort of part of the game plan, like Chris said. So no, I think keep keep it moving. This isn't a huge deal. It just puts more of an emphasis on on you have to go ahead and and have a really good skill position class coming up here because you didn't get any skill position players last class, which never happens. <laughs> Kill off much to know. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you a little bit I'm, more time to get some I'm, passive aggressive insults. In I, I'm a I'm a beaten man right now. I just I'm afraid of everything right now. Why don't you just Why don't you just take a deep breath and really tell us how you feel? <laughs> no, let's not do that. Actually, that's uh, me and Chris are going to talk some recruiting, so you can sit over there. And I swag. Or whatever you I surf. Do. I swag. I surf. I swag. Chris, this weekend's visitor list is in. Um, we have a couple to mention. Carter Boatwright, FSU commit. Uh, three-star defensive end, Josh Griffiths, FSU commit. 2020 running back, Donrick Means. 2021 wide receiver, Travante Rucker. Uh, and then we got a couple younger guys. 2021 Tyler Pugh, 2021 DB Jabron Claude, 2022 DB Elijah Hopkins. Now, I also want to note that Brian Robinson, I'm told, has reached out to FSU requesting a ticket from the staff for an unofficial visit. Uh, we haven't officially added him to the list because I'm waiting to confirm if he'll have a ride up to Tallahassee. Um, he was expected to visit UF last weekend, uh, requested a ticket, but did not attend. Uh, and he's also expected to attend UF Auburn next weekend. So uh, we'll update this list when we get more word on Robinson. What do you think, Chris, so far of um, Florida State's recruiting efforts on campus in their third home game? I mean, they haven't had a visitor list that's really of note. Like, you know, they had Jarrett Jackson here, graduate transfer, who came in last week, and that's a pretty significant one at a major position of need. That is a good one to have. Outside of that, it's been largely local kids like the Amari Harvey types. And Amari Harvey is a very important target for him, but it's been more of those sorts. And then also some of their commitments. It's good to get Josh Griffiths back. IMG schedule makes it difficult sometimes for him to make some games because they play sometimes on Saturday. Griffiths is a guy who... I think after ULM, close game, waffled a little bit. I think he's a little bit more firm now than he was then. I think getting him back on campus, hopefully having success on Saturday in person, will go a long way with him. And then Trevante Rucker is a really talented 2021 kid. Um, you know, Ocala guards a school with several good players. Elijah Hopkins, who's coming in, is one of his teammates. He's a 2022 kid. He's an athlete, probably DB or receiver type. Um, so it's important to keep getting him. But FSU just hasn't had that that visitor list where you're like, man, there's three, four guys on this list who are mm -hmm. not yet committed who might help this team. Now we do expect some officials for the Syracuse game. We're basically one month out from Syracuse at this point now. And obviously we also expect FSU to host some for the Miami game. And as we've learned under Willie Taggart, a great deal of their official visits happen in December, those two weeks before the early signing period. And we expect that trend to continue with this, this year's recruiting. Yeah, I think when you put it in the context of coming off of five and seven and you look at the visitor list, it, it kind of makes sense. 
But from the larger picture, these visitor lists have been very disappointing because in order to get better, you got to get more talent on the on the roster. And there's there's guys out there that Florida State really likes, but you don't see them coming to campus yet. So lots of home games still left. We'll see if that changes. But so far, disappointing visitor lists. Um, well, and we'll, like I said, we'll keep you updated on Brian Robinson's status. Um, big week, though. Virginia. Um, oh, yeah. I was supposed to come in and ask you a question on this, Josh. I'm here to help. I'm here right. to help. Well, so, so it was, this is more of like a big picture question. Mm-hmm. When we had the podcast two weeks ago, Josh, you and I were both of the same mindset. We gave me a hard time at, at that time. About I don't deserve, guys. I have feelings. Yeah, and I'm trying to – hey, I'm trying to give you a little credit here, okay, big boy? Just, hey, hey, it's okay. We're trying to we're trying to we're trying to raise your self esteem. I'm projecting right now because I'm still why, very broken. Why don't you go talk about offensive skill recruiting again? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, I'm I'm so, I'm okay. sorry for pointing out, you know, that that not getting a skill player in a recruiting cycle is a really difficult. Th- Never mind. You got me off on a tangent, Chris. What I wanted to do was say two weeks ago when we had the podcast previewing the Virginia game, Josh and I were both very absolute about you know a win is a win, a loss is a loss. There's nothing in between that can be taken from a from a, a good quote unquote good loss, a moral victory, whatnot. Uh, but after seeing that team played, you know, FSU played really hard against Virginia. They didn't always play smart. Actually, they didn't play smart a lot down the stretch. I thought the game plan on defense was poopy in the second half, but they they at least took that and carried it over to Louisville. Still f- flaws, but I guess Josh, I want to ask you because I've been thinking about this week. Are you revisiting like whether that Virginia game, say FSU comes out beats NC State on Saturday? Do you look back at that Virginia game as a possible turning point, maybe in hindsight, because that team did come out and, and play hard, even in, even in a loss? Mm, it's it's shaping up that way. I said if that loss meant, you know, FSU battled harder to, to beat the teams that it should beat, like um, Louisville, like NC State. And then there's some more on the schedule coming up. Yeah, you know, I think it is. Um, my my expectation for this team to improve was to eight wins. I don't know if they're going to get to that, but I think they do get to six or seven. Uh, seven is probably more likely. So that shows improvement. I don't know if it's at the right now, if it's at the clip fans and alumni want to see, but um, this thing is, we can probably say moving in the right direction now, which is something we couldn't say a couple weeks ago. I think there's progress. And I also think it's fair to question whether there's enough progress at the same time. Like I think, I think it could be both. Uh, Chris, if FSU does want to get to a bowl game, I guess how important is this weekend given one NC State doesn't look great? Two, you got a bye week and you get to simmer on a win or a loss for that, and then uh, Clemson on the other side of it, I guess. So the significance if you're going bowling that to me, this feels like a must win or pretty darn close to it. Uh, what do you think that the, you know, how much weight do you put into this contest coming up? Well, I think it's hugely important. You want to win back to back ACC games for the first time in basically three years. Ooh. You want to go into the bye week with some good feelings, not the bye week blues. You know you're probably going to come out and at best compete with Clemson and lose. At worst, get your teeth smashed in. So, you know, you, you just want to kind of set the table for that back half where you're 3-2 and two going into your last seven games. You come out, you face number one Clemson at their house. That's going to be a tough task for anybody, especially for a team that's trying to rebuild. And then you go to at Wake a week later. And Wake's truthfully right now, I mean, 
I know Florida's got the number nine in front of their name, but to me, Wake is as good as Florida right now. With Florida trying to figure out their life after Felipe Franks. Why is everyone? Why is everyone hyping up Wake? You're not the first one to do this, Chris. Like, who have they? What's their quality win right now? Utah State. It's not so much quality win. I think it's the fact that Clawson has been building that thing to this point, and you can see that there's. There's clear progress to the point in time where they're at. The way they're running their offense with that delayed mesh point, which they've done for a couple years now, they're doing it at a very high level right now. They've got an offensive line that plays really well together. They've got a fairly sound defense. Some of the time it's a little inconsistent, but it has shown flashes of being good. I just think that Wake, and it's at their place, a week off of Clemson, and Clemson's one of those teams you can have a hangover after because they can physically take it to you if they have to. I think it's a little bit of a dangerous game for FSU. So I, I think it is pretty important that they win NC State. They get those good feelings. They put a little momentum behind them. They build towards something different than they've been in several years. I think that's extremely important because they come out and they really need to go one and one in those next two and set the table, being a four and three football club entering the back five, you know, where Alabama State's a guaranteed win, but everything else, you're going to have to compete. You know, at BC, at this point, I would pick them to win that game. But you go to Florida, you host Miami. Miami's not very good, especially if you can mount a pass rush. And you host Syracuse, whose defense has been a sieve to this point in the time in the season. And if you can run the ball, you can beat Syracuse because you can run it right up the gut on them pretty effectively, as a lot of teams have. So I kind of look at it that way, where you're trying to set this table up, where you're 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 ahead of the eight ball, basically. You don't want to reach a point where you're three and four or four and five, and you're having to put together a win streak for bowl eligibility. You'd rather be on the good side and maybe get some momentum, build off of that, work towards bowl eligibility, and work towards more than that, seven or eight wins potentially. Didn't you accuse me of, of rambling on last week's podcast? I was on point there, though. I was <laughs> you were you were focused. Hey, I know we're supposed to wrap up. I just found, you can hear the paper, I just found on my desk here a old script from a couple weeks ago just to show how far we've come. Let's start with this whole hydrate gate deal. We'll oh, talk about for, we'll, we'll play two minutes of audio and end up turning into a fifteen minute segment. So think about how far we've come, guys. Like if, if you want to see is there growth, I think that's a perfect example. All right. Well, before you ruin it and ramble on too far and show that we actually haven't grown, <laughs> let's end. Let's just not end not us, pod. the football team. Let's end this pod right here. I'm excited to see Florida State hit the field. I think they get their second conference win. Um, games at 7.30 p.m. We'll have a ton of coverage on Knowles 24-7. This is On the Bench for Chris Nee and Brendan Sinone. I'm Josh Newberg. Uh, Brendan, why don't you swag service out of here?
May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.